Welcome to the same old city, an independent York City FC podcast. Apparently we do one of those. I've been in hibernation for two and a half weeks. So. No, uh, no, no, Millsy. No, don't sign him. He's too good looking. No, Mills. He'll just end up doing a modelling shoot and miss, miss training. No! Oh, ben? God. Sorry. Sorry, Simon. Yeah, sorry, I was having an awful nightmare there. You've been dreaming about Sean Newton again? No, no, I've not done that in weeks. How did we get on in the uh, those talking and fouled matches? I don't know, because like you, I've I've been hibernating. But yeah, let's let's just quickly check. We had those big home games against Dorking and Fylde. And we must mm-hmm. have made loads of signings as well, because you know it's oh, January. January window and everything. We've yep. been told that this is what we've been looking forward to. So let's just. Oh, I can't wait to catch up. Let's just check that. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. it was the result was PP. Oh, for both games. Both games. Yeah, and then we've not signed anyone. Well, I suppose in that case. That's given a chance to some bit part players to to come in and maybe stake their claim. No, they've all gone. What? Yeah. Who's gone? Well, we'll come on to that later. Quite a lot of players. But yes, welcome back to Same Old City. It has been a while. But yeah, despite those postponements, we have got some actions to talk about. We have the 2-1 late win at Oxford City to discuss, which has seen us jump to the heady heights of 16th in the table. Blood coming out of my nose, all over my desk. You should probably get that checked out. By some quack, no chance. I've got one doctor in my life, and that's Dr. Neil Ardley. <laughs> I probably need to ask Dr. Neil about my uh, my voice appears to have dropped two octaves during hibernation as well. So, so apologies well, we've for We've all that. been waiting long enough for it, Simon, haven't we? we... Yeah, yeah, but yes, uh, I have been a little bit poorly um, in, in the previous few days, but I passed the late fitness test. But yeah, before we get into the game that did happen, I guess we should briefly touch on the the couple of games that didn't happen. Because mm. yeah, we were meant to be playing Docking Wanderers on the Tuesday after we had already had a weekend off due to being out of the FA Trophy, having elected to leave that one early. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was sub-zero conditions. I think people still thought the Docking game was going to be on. Mm. Certainly, Mark White seemed to, to think it was going to be on because he... <laughs> yeah, they were halfway up the M1, apparently, when they got the news. And mm. he didn't take it too well, did he, really? No doubt he probably got a, a sweary interview out of it. So, you know, everyone's a winner. Yeah, well, I've got a little clip that we can uh, that we can run from that now. So so let's just let's just hear what Mark White had to say. We were really chomping at the bit for the York game. We, we had a, a sleepless few nights. We were ready to go for that York game. And uh, we had requested... Obviously, um, an inspection for the day before. We've only trained once a week. That is, as a part-time team, the challenges are up against all the time, not just this week. We've trained once, um, and uh, and the, the boys literally want to coach uh, from in half past ten in the morning to half six at night on on Tuesday for nothing. <laughs> so. Yeah, not ideal. We move forward, there's worse things down in the world. Um, so that's where we are, mate. Mark White there, everybody. The uh, internet celebrity. Clearly, yeah, not too happy that the game wasn't on. So we're all looking ahead to the filed game at the weekend. Lots of uh, chat about the frost covers. What temperature... Is the pitch safe down to? This was how stir-crazy 
the York City fan base was going with two weeks without a game, basically. We we were spending a lot of time stamping on our gardens, <laughs> trying to see whether, whether it would take a stud. Let me put it this way, Simon. The thread on Red and Blue regarding um, the filed game descended very much into people comparing the stiffness or frozenness of their front gardens and back gardens in some instances, uh, including people in Huntington very much getting involved. Let me put it this way. That was the one thread on the the page, the, the main page that I didn't bother reading. I can't <laughs> say I have much of an interest in people's odd cultural habits. But yeah, so we had a, an extended period with no games. No idea how the file manager took the news. Let me stop you there, Simon. <laughs> you very, uh, you know, quite, uh, professionally named Mark White as the manager of Dorking. Yep. Who's the manager of Filed? Oh, we all know who the manager of Filed is, don't we? Yep, we do, don't we, Simon? What's his name? We her certainly name. do. The manager of Association Football Club Filed yeah. is, of course, your friend and mine, mm-hmm. Chris Beach. Beachy. Didn't see that coming. Beachy head. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar oh. with his work. Yep. Born 16th of September 1974 <laughs> in Blackpool. <laughs> We all remember his time as assistant manager of Rochdale. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, what was his name again? Sorry, Chris, Chris Beach. Beach. Who could forget his time as part of Steve Bruce's promotion chasing Huddersfield side in the late 90s? This is very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say life's a beach and then you die. Well, that's what he was probably saying when the match got called off. But yeah, that meant we were well rested for our trip down to the Raw Charging Stadium see Oxford City against York and we are now very aware that that is a different team to Oxford United aren't we Ben? Absolutely correct two completely different entities although both playing at home on the same night which is rather telling isn't it one's clearly much bigger than the other. Yeah we I'm assuming you were watching the same stream as I was on the mm-hmm. uh, on National League TV and it was yeah like you say quite telling how the commentator kept referring to how the Oxford game could be followed as if, you know, he's assuming most people tuning in have done so by accident. <laughs> hey, to be fair, it's no worse than Radio York reminding everybody how to listen to Harrogate Town, so... This is true. Um, but yeah, let's look at that game. Um, Oxford City 1, York City 2. Are we going to look at the Oxford fans game afterwards, yeah? Maybe do that as a retro in a few years. No worries. <laughs> yeah, let's start with the lineups. So, before the game, Ardley had mentioned that there was a player who was going to be missing for personal reasons. Um, didn't specify who that was, but obviously everyone figured it out from the lineup that it was Thierry Lighty Fairweather. So mm-hmm. Michael Duckworth came in at left wing back. Not sure how many players we've now had at left wing back over the course of the season. I mean, we could we could try and do the sums now. That'd be a good quiz game, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was sort of a 3-5-2 mm. setup, I guess, with, um, with Dippo and Chadwick as the front pairing. Yeah, so McLaughlin coming in for Davis... Which I think is fair enough. We highlighted, didn't we, during the Bournemouth game, that whilst the front three of Davis, Chadwick and Dippo has potential, it was leaving us rather light in midfield. So I think putting McLaughlin in there um, kind of shored things up. Let's take a look at the first half action then, because we did pretty well first half, didn't we? There's a reason why we're top of the table when it comes to the first half, which we'll come on to later. But um, I don't want to. I don't think we've probably got time to go through all the chances we had in the first half, Simon. But well, we hit the woodwork three times. <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. 
the way City were able to get the ball back so quickly uh, from Oxford City during the course of that first half was really, really good. There was some great uh, pressing. Oxford City just didn't look like they knew how to handle um, York when he got moving. There was a mix of quick interpersonal passing combined with like direct, you know, diagonals or crosses into the box. So we're varying it up a bit. I was genuinely really impressed with how York played in the first half. Now, we could only, you know, there's always a caveat about who you're playing. By the close of play yesterday, you know, Oxford City were bottom of the table. So that is a pretty big caveat. But I'll take the small victories where I can find them. And I think in that first half, we were playing really, really well. But yeah, the first major chance was was after 14 minutes when Dippo hit the post. So it's it's Billy Chadwick who went on a little run, beat one or two defenders, and then released Dippo on the right of the area. He hit quite a powerful shot. And it was one of those that hit the post and then bounced, I think, behind the keeper before spinning out for a goal kick. Is that right? Uh, yeah. it's It beautifully curves away from the goal after rebounding out from the post. But yeah, you're right. A good build-up play from, from Chadwick showing off um, that really good technique that he has with the ball at his feet. One of the primary reasons clearly why we've signed him. And yeah, he releases Dippo into the channel there, who's been given far too much room by the uh, Oxford City defenders. They have no idea who this guy is. You know, They don't realise it's one of the more deadly strikers in a division. And he's very unlucky just to hit the post. Yeah, I was quite interested to see how Dippo and Chadwick worked as a front pairing. Mm. Um, it's sort of slight big man, little man energy to it. Um, and this was a really nice bit of combination between the two of them. We didn't have it all our own way. Oxford City did have a few little attacks. There was one on 22 minutes where Aaron williams Bushell was through on goal. And then who comes sliding in? But Michael Duckworth, our makeshift left wing back, this was a, a lovely tackle. Oh, it was sensational, wasn't it? When he goes to ground, you do think, oh no, that's a penalty. It's just not, it is a fantastic challenge. Takes the ball wonderfully, gets a bit of the man as well, which you're allowed to do with a tackle that's of that quality, and comes away with the ball in plenty of space. There's not even any like, you know, half hearted protests from the Oxford City players. They just have to realise what a fantastic challenge that is. And uh, I think Duckworth was quietly. Decent during his performance. Um, he was painfully right-footed at times, but that can be forgiven because he's he's filling in at the cursed left wing-back position. Yeah, next big chance came to Paddy McLaughlin on 35 minutes. And it's some good work over on the right wing between Burgess and Fallerfield, who linked up nicely quite a few times, as they have been doing recently. Um, little one-two, and then I think it's Fallerfield puts the final cross in, comes to Paddy, mm-hmm. who gets his shot on target, but it's... It's fairly comfortably saved, but it comes back out to Paddy on the rebound and there's a potential handball shout as his follow-up shot gets blocked. Yeah, great build-up. You're right to mention the partnership blossoming between Burgess and Fallerfield coming to fruition at the right time of the season. It's been great to see. Cross comes in, Paddy's right foot. Yeah, I guess what you mean about the second effort from Paddy kind of hits the defender who's on the floor with an arm raised. You don't see anybody protesting, so it's hard to say. It's probably an interesting discussion point. You're right to raise it, but if nobody's protesting live, then it's kind of hard to take it seriously, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, the, the City chances kept coming. Sorry, I should say the York City chances. Because another thing that bothered <laughs> me about the commentator was that he kept just saying City, but he meant Oxford City. Yeah, how dare the home team commentator do that, hey, Simon? I know. I hate it when people just refer to the team they support as City. So anyway, thanks for listening to Same Old City. And <laughs> No, but yeah, there was a chance for York City, uh, one of several that were coming towards the late period of the second half because we were really on top at this point. And yeah, we hit the post again 
this time through the Burge, whose shot was deflected onto the post. Yes, um, I think it takes the, it, the camera work's not great. I think it takes the deflection off a defender, is it not? And then yeah. hit the post. The build-up play again is really, really good. It's intricate. Dippo plays the ball back for the byline to the Burge, who manages to make a little bit of space for himself to get the effort in. Really good example of you know the fantastic technique that the Burge has on the football. Manages you know to leave uh, dummy defender nicely, create a space for himself on his right foot, get a shot away. Defender gets in the way, deflects off him for the post for another millionth corner of the match. York was so on top at this point, and uh, I know we're about to talk about a, a York City goal. I appreciate, but what's so annoying about these performances? So you know that the team that you're battering in such a way, this can't be as bad as they are again in the second half. So you have to take not just one chance, but two or three if possible. Uh, and I know that York do end up taking the lead and we take a 1-0 um, scoreline into the into the break. But because of the stats that we've talked about before and we're going to talk about a little bit more later on in the show, you can't be going in with <laughs> merely 1-0 and thinking, you know, even if the job's half done because we're having to outscore teams when it comes to, uh, you know, retaining our leads, bizarrely. So these efforts were great. It was great that we were creating them and we're having these efforts coming in. The build-ups were fantastic to watch. Some great play, intricate and direct when needed, but we weren't scoring enough. And it's a little bit frustrating, if I'm being really honest. But yeah, we did finally take a chance on 46 minutes. Uh, Burgess involved again, doing some good work on the right. And then he mm -hmm. pulled it back for Billy Chadwick, whose shot was on target but saved. But there to follow up on the rebound is Dippo. Fairly simple yeah. finish for him, but you know he got to be in the right place at the right time, and that's what he did. Yeah, uh, want to say a big um, hello and thank you to the Oxford City cameraman who refuses to follow the cam uh, the players celebrating. So we're left watching a bunch of Oxford City players, you know, reflecting upon the conceded goal, not the Oxford City players celebrating in a corner. That's the sort of pettiness that I'm sure we can all get behind. In terms of the goal, yeah, great. It, you could see that sort of play we've been doing the entirety of the first half and in injury time it finally came off. Um, a great pullback from the Burge. Chadwick's unlucky, decent effort. Dippo's alone in the middle of the penalty area um, to bundle in the rebound. You just can't leave him alone like that. And it's 1-0 City and if he doesn't put it in, Daddy's next to him. Almost holding his hand like my childhood. So yeah, really good build-up, really good execution of the game plan. Um, should mention one other thing before the halftime interval, which is that Oxford City hit the post, sort mm -hmm. of out of nowhere. There was a throw in which I thought should have been given our way, which went to them. Mm -hmm. And then Ball ended up with Reese Fleet, who hit a lovely curling shot from outside the area, mm -hmm. which looked like it might have been curling in, but yeah, just uh, just bounced back off the post. So yeah, another effort off the woodwork. Um, but yeah, that would have been a really sickening one to concede after we'd been so dominant. Mm -hmm. But we did go in 1-0 up, and then whatever happens in York City dressing rooms at half-time to uh, turn us from the best <laughs> team in the National League to the worst <laughs> happened again. I mean, that's not hyperbole either, which is even funnier. <laughs> that is statistically accurate. Yeah, so, so moving into the second half, the first 15 minutes, it was a very different pattern. So from us having most of the game and having most of the ball, it became Oxford City with us really on the back foot. And we've seen it happen like that in games before, but it was really stark from having been so much on top to then suddenly it was like, basically it's like the teams had swapped shirts at half time. Mm -hmm. um, so Oxford had made some changes. They'd brought Zach McEachern on at half time, which seemed to make quite a difference. 
think they changed mm. the system as well. But we just didn't respond to that at all. First big chance was when Latrell Humphrey Ewers was in quite a lot of space on the right wing. Mm. I think it was maybe Duckworth who should have been marking him and given him a little bit too much space on that occasion. But anyway, he got the ball, crossed it into Parker, who was not far out from goal, but his shot went just wide. So that one was a bit of a let off. Um, I think a lot of praise has gone to their midfield for how they pinned City back. But um, yeah, Parker was worrying me how well he was um, keeping hold of the ball and running at our defence. It became a case of like, we'd stop playing Oxford City, we're starting to play like 1970s QPR. It was um, really, really worrying. Um, we could all see it. I'm sure Neil could see it from the, from the touchline as well. But what was really frustrating was there was no like apparent obvious way that we were dealing with it. I think they'd moved to like some sort of three four three, according to Adley and his, his post match presser, and that just meant that they had the, these these bodies dropping from the forward line to the midfield and allowing them to run at our defence. And we just seemed bamboozled. I can't think of a proper footballing term to describe it. But watching it live, it just seemed like there'd been a change and we just didn't know how to react. Yeah, so it was on 61 minutes that Oxford City got the equaliser and it had been coming. So mm. Zach McEachran was able to bring the ball forward a bit too easily, I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, from his own half, there wasn't much closing down. Burgess was applying a little bit of pressure, but not really enough to sort of unsettle him. Do you think he should foul him? Well, I mean, in retrospect, definitely, but... I think it's just, I mean, we'll come on to, to praise Burgess's contribution here. I come here to bury Burgess, not to praise him. Well, fair enough. <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe it's harsh because that's not his game, but I think maybe if it's yeah. Woodyard tracking him, he doesn't let him get that pass away at the end. I mean, it's easy for me to say, having watched the match from a dry room on a settee and not in the conditions that these footballers faced. And maybe it's a bit Premier League of me, but... I do think Burgess had just eaten a potentially yellow card there with a tactical foul. And you can see him trying to get round the round the midfielder, try and get, you know, get an authentic, genuine tackle in. But when he realised that, that gig was up, he should have just gone stuff it and pushed him over. Regroup, set a free kick. Yeah, like you say, it is easy with hindsight. Yes, and it, it isn't Burgess's fault that we concede. No, 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 no. I, I'm not trying to suggest that at all. It's just um, maybe a little bit more of the dark hearts as needed with the Burge, perhaps. Yeah, but yeah, we still should have won the ball back really because it looked like Ryan Fallowfield was going to win the 50-50 with yes. Mitchell Roberts mm. but yeah for whatever reason it was Roberts who came away with it and then he was in quite a bit of space put the ball across into the box again we've got quite a few bodies in there but none of them are quite picking up the runner uh, which was Williams Bushell and he stroked the ball home past GSK for the equaliser I think you kind of have to put the uh, a bit of the blame here on, on Fallowfield's door Unfortunately, I don't think his tackle there on the, on the uh, right-back position is strong enough for the guy who gets the assist for uh, Oxford City. Not to detract from Ryan's ability. He's a great player. My period of season so far. And it's very one instance. And it's a rarity in terms of season as a whole. He doesn't quite do as well as he should do. And, it can, you know, it happens. Every player is allowed one. But unfortunately, yeah, he should have done a lot better there. And worryingly, at that point, it looked like Oxford City might be more likely to to win it mm -hmm. we did nearly retake the lead in spectacular <laughs> fashion yeah uh, Fallowfield nearly <laughs> redeemed himself uh, on 73 minutes with a long range effort so it's a it's a free kick that just gets um, passed to him how far out do you reckon he is at this point uh, four nautical miles by my calculation 
Right. So he hits it from four nautical miles out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the keeper is is beaten all ends up. It's full Naeem from the halfway line vibes. I would I would have gone for more Ronaldinho against England, personally. Either way, either way, it's David Seaman, so you know. Yeah. A good point well made. But yeah, he's scrambling to get back and he's absolutely meaning that, isn't he? He he's gone for the shot there. Well that was gonna be my question. Do you think he means it? Because I think it's hundred percent. All day long. He yeah, he that. changes his body position. Um, obviously, it's windy, so you could say maybe it's across and the wind's taking it. But I think he's he's intending that. Yeah, look at the way, look at his posture and the way his body is shaped when um, he connects with the football. He's going for he's going for goal there. And watching it live, I thought it might have bounced down over the line off the mm. bar. As it turns out, that didn't happen. So what you're saying is we need a bit of VAR in non-league. I'm absolutely not saying that, but mm, I. I I think I know what I heard, Simon. Well, you know, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be our Lampard against Germany moment. <laughs> it was quite the reaction, wasn't it? You think, okay, let's kick on, lads. Let's try and get back into it. Let's see how it goes. But um, try and get on a ball. Put a foot on a ball, lads. Get a bit of possession on you. No, in fact, let's have an effort from 45 yards that hits the crossbar. Yeah, we'd made a couple of changes at this point as well. So Will Davis had come on for Dippo, Akinyemi, and Kai Kennedy as well had come on for Duckworth. So he'd Change the system up slightly. And yeah, we started to get a bit more of a foothold in the game again. Although we weren't on top like we had been in the first half, we were at least creating some chances. I'd say that, I think you're right there, Simon. I don't think we'd got on top ourselves, but we managed to turn aside and kind of equalised it, for want of a better phrase. It was very much 50-50 after the change that had been made. And it was a case of two boxers just slugging it out and just repeatedly punching each other in the face to see who's going to win. This could have gone in any direction at this point, I think, after the, after the subs, as the game was winding towards the 90-minute mark. Both sides had chances, and our settees up against our living room wall were a bit bit closer to the television. I'd, be, I'd have been behind it. Yeah, it was quite chaotic the last 10, 15 minutes of the game because you could see neither side wanting to settle for the draw. So it was just you know full-on end-to-end, both sides mm-hmm. going for the win. And Oxford did have their chances. There was one... 77 minutes, they had a counter-attack where Callum Howe misjudged his header back to GSK. And uh, yeah, I was getting worried at that point when the ball gets gets played back in. Uh, but Roddy had his shot blocked. And then Fleet was there for the rebound, but his shot was hit just wide. So so we got away with that one. We absolutely did. And I also would like to give a special shout-out to um, Woodyard, who, um, if you watch closely, um, is the player closest to the striker of the ball. Um, sticking an arm out there as if he was playing in goal at five aside. So um, thank goodness I didn't hit him. Yeah, we then uh, put John Lewis on as well. So we were mm-hmm. starting to go a bit more direct, try and just get some balls forward and use the physicality of Lenny and Will Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet yeah, nearly paid off around 84 minutes. There was a punt over the top that fell to John Lewis and he'd seemed like he was throwing goal. And at first I, I thought he'd badly misjudged his shot, but actually it was... A decent save by the keeper who was mm. rushing out to to put it behind for a corner. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because Lenny kind of sticks the leg out to control it. It bounces directly up into the air. The Oxford City player tries to head it backwards towards his goalkeeper, fumbles it, and Lenny does quite well to get an effort away. You're right, it looks like it's a bad miss, but it's not. It's actually a really decent save. Um, Lenny's very unlucky there. But he's kind of, I love how the chance starts with him just using up all of his good fortune and good luck by sticking a leg out and it just bounces directly off his shin and just straight up into the air and down for him again. 
like some sort of weird non-league Gascoigne versus Scotland Euro '96 um, sort of vibe. Yeah, so it would have been it would have been a lovely winner had that gone in. Uh, but no, obviously, eighty-four minutes is too early for us to score, isn't it? So we like to leave things late. <laughs> and yeah, only two minutes of stoppage time were given. Clearly, there's some kind of conspiracy to stop mm. our our Fergie time reputation. You could really call it Burgie time, couldn't you? Well, you could, and and Burgie was involved. Yeah. Mm. There's a high ball into the box. I think it's from Callum Howe. Not fully clear uh, on the highlights, but it, it looked to be him. Um, proper, you know, hit and hope into the box. There's only 30 seconds left <laughs> kind of thing. But, a centre-half's cross, isn't it? Yeah, but it's into the right area. And Burgess does really well to win the header. A side of his game mm. we maybe don't see as much of. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he does really well there. Heads it across in the direction of John Lewis, who gets a touch to it. And it finds its way to Will Davis, who... It's not one where it sort of you'd say it sits nicely for him. He's got quite a bit of work to do, but his shot. I think the keeper gets a touch to it, but then it cannons in off the bar, and yeah. I was very much on my feet at this point. Lovely build up. Loved everything about this goal. Do you think he's offside? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, when Burgess' header comes back, I've paused it. The quality's not great. Could argue that Lenny's in an offside position. I don't want to dwell on that. I don't want to be a downer on a York City last-minute winner at all. But I think, Simon, I think we're a bit lucky with that one. Yeah, I've just watched it back. I think it's borderline. I'm going to take that to mean that he was onside. Miles on. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely wrong there, Simon. I apologise for bringing it up. But you're right, lovely left-footed finish from Davis. Um, he does well to get a, a clean effort away like that. Keeper maybe could do better. Who cares? And that sparks scenes of um, pandemonium. Um, I really enjoy think it's Woodyard heading one direction, Burge doing some sort of weird arm swinging celebration in a, in a different direction, a York City supporter on the pitch running along the uh, the um, advertising hoardings, it's in pure exuberance, a proper last minute limbs. Always enjoy a goal that goes in off the bar as well. Mm. And yeah, we won 2-1, the unbeaten run continues, unbeaten in eight. How many is that now? That's eight. eight. Marvellous. And that's three wins and five draws now, so... Yeah, friends fear he's checking the 2013-14 season <laughs> and making comparisons again. But yeah, I think we've waffled on about that game long enough. Any any closing thoughts? Um, I don't think the, the whole performance was as bad as certain people made it out to be. Um, it was disappointing how we reacted to um, their halftime change. And I put that at the door of Adley. He needed to, I think he needs to get his ideas across more promptly to how we dealt with the change that Oxford City had, had you know, dealt to us. However, there's certain players that we have available to us who have got good quality and good technique that we can rely upon them for, you know, effort until the ninety something minute. Players like Davis, uh, Chadwick, even play- and the Burge never stopped fighting. You always believed there was always a chance with that game going on, but then again, you also believed there was a chance that we could lose two one. So it's a bit of a wild roller coaster at the moment with York City. Um, very similar to, God, Woking, Dagenham. We just love a late away winner, don't we? And long may it continue. Let's move on from that game then and have a look at some talking points. So we had a couple of people asking us to talk about the Birch, which we have done a bit already, but let's see here. So David Coward said, genuine man of the match last night, Scott Burgess. Look at the contribution to both goals. And Gary Rogers, 49, went a bit further and said, the apotheosis of St. Burge, apologies if I've mispronounced that, but um, yeah, made both goals. 
Man of the match. No, it's Burge. You said it right. <laughs> Do we think he's he's going to be canonised anytime soon? Um, well, I don't see why not, to be honest with you, with those assist numbers. I was maybe a little bit harsh on the Burge after the Boreham Wood game, but I think that was a tactical reflection because I didn't think he was strong enough to be in the midfield too. He was in the midfield three yesterday, and I think he did great. It didn't mean, mean sacrificing one of the forwards, but I think it worked out okay, especially in terms of the performance first half. So he showed good technique, good passing, good movement. That linkage with um, Ballerfield, I really enjoyed that. I think overall he had a good game. But, you know, the, the the foul that he should have made in the second half, notwithstanding. He had a really, really good game. You always feel like something can happen when he gets on the ball. He doesn't seem to lose it. He, he, he could be, you could describe him as lightweight. But you never see him lose the ball too needlessly. He always, you know, he's able, always able to pick up a pass. His set-piece delivery is pretty decent. It's been one hell of a redemption act for the lad since, you know, getting farmed out to hub sides on loan last season. Absolutely fair play to him. It's been one of the positive stories of the season. Been a feel-good story as well. And I thought he might be one of the victims of our wanted success. I thought we'd be trying to bring in players that are better than him in a position similar to his. But he seems to still be fighting. And, um, you know, we're the benefactors of that. So, yeah, much love to the Burge. Yeah, I mean, sainthood maybe a little way off, but I think mm. he, he might be getting the next best thing, which is still being part of the squad next season. Because... I was mm. kind of thinking his performances are a bit of a bonus. You know, we're, we're getting, Ardley's getting a tune out of him, but probably he'll move on in the summer and we'll get other players in. But in terms of, yeah, those assist numbers and his technical quality, maybe we do need to be thinking about, you know, having mm-hmm. him in the club's long-term plans. I think when we have criticised him for being lightweight, maybe we just need to realise that that's the type of player he is and, mm-hmm. you know, appreciate what he has. You know, if you can't handle him at his worst then we don't deserve him at his best, as a great poet once said. Yep, I, I agree completely. Okay, we've got another question here from Will Harris, Chips YCFC, who says, everyone rightly likes Dippo, but some pod love for Mr. Will Davis. Reminds me of Paul Baker from 30 years ago. Height, aggression, bit of the dark arts, not afraid to mix it. When he hits a ball, it stays hit. Yeah, I liked um, Will pointing out the bit about the dark arts. I don't think he's a dirty player, but I think he's quite aggressive to both his teammates and also to the opposition. He's not afraid to dish it out verbally where needed. And I think we've needed someone who's a bit gobby. I don't think we've had one for a while. Or at least somebody who's been gobby for the right reasons. I think Davis is one of those players who is a confident player, one of those born winners types, you know, the ones who wants to win any, you know, by any means necessary. And we've been desperate for a player like that for a while. So I think he's still got lots to give and lots to show off that we haven't seen yet. But um, if you're going to do spectacular left-footed swings like yesterday that win matches, then hell, I'm here for the ride. Question here from Eight Days Two Trophies, who says, still not answer the question, is Dippo left or right-footed? Yes. <laughs> yes, is that your answer? Yes. Okay, we'll move on. Um, now, I thought we had covered that in a previous episode, but maybe it got lost in the edit. I think what Dippo proves is that left or right-footedness is really more of a spectrum these days, <laughs> would you say? Well, what isn't? Well, exactly. These days. The problem is, we've not had a penalty this season, and so and therefore, Dippo's not taking a penalty. And therefore, we don't know if he's left or right-footed. Now, he's hit a few free kicks with his right foot, so therefore, I believe he's right-footed. But I also think he's got a very good, strong left foot. Essex Benji says, I feel that these tables need to be discussed. Why are we so good first half and so poor in the second half? 
Um, now, again, we did briefly cover this in a prior episode, but I think it's worth touching on again, particularly because it's even more stark now. So, yeah, looking at the first half table, we are top of the league with 48 points from 28 games. Yes, get that parade booked. <laughs> well, maybe hold off on booking it, because let's take a look at the second half table. Mm-hmm. That shows that we are 24th in the league with 24 points from 28 games. Hardly must walk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is mad, isn't it? Obviously, there's always some teams who are stronger at the start or end of a game, but surely it's never been this extreme before. I think we speculated that maybe fitness is part of the reason, or lack of fitness, I guess. But what do we think? Why are we capable of beating anyone almost in the first half? And then it all falls apart in the second a lot of the time. It's fitness and it's tactics. Um, when we're playing well, teams just look at us and work out how to try and counteract what we're doing so positively and then turn it around on us. The perfect example is what happened against Oxford City. They made the necessary changes to take the game to us and it very, very nearly worked. It's happened countless times this season. It's on Adley to fix it, really, to be, to be totally honest. Um, fitness was a huge part of it. And that's why we were able to fight back like we did uh, last night against Oxford City. It's it's silly thing to discuss, really, because it's only something that can be properly resolved by the coaching staff looking at it, analysing it properly, and you know finding the magic cure. And in Ad, we trust. I'm sure he will. I'm sure the team will. But for now, we just can keep on keeping on. That's all we can do. Well, there's a few other things I wanted to discuss, particularly around players leaving the club, because there's been quite a few through the exit door since we last recorded. Let's start with the first player to go out on loan, which was Ollie Dyson, who's gone to Scarborough Athletic. I was a little bit surprised by this one, just because he has been involved a reasonable amount uh, in midfield over the past few weeks. But yeah, not necessarily a regular. Hasn't really kicked on this season. I mean, it's a bit of a fall from grace for Dyson, isn't it really? Because he was player of the season in the last campaign. I mean, he really hoovered up the awards, didn't he, at the end of the season? Mate, you have to stop doing this. I was one of those people who thought he was a worthy winner of the award last season. It was one of those damning with faint praise moments, unfortunately. I was happy he won. I like Oli Dice on a personal level. I think he's a decent, reasonably good footballer. And it was a mixed bag of a season, wasn't it, for us? So for him to win kind of exemplified the porpsy of the season as a whole. He needed to kick on. You know, part of the evolution of these players coming in, he had to try and you know, work on his ability and how well he could fit into the team. He had a fair crack of the whip by Ardley. I, can't, I don't think anybody can complain about that. But unfortunately, I just don't think he'd quite fit in, nor was he good enough. So off he goes back to um, the upper echelons of non-league north. I think that's probably his level, if I'm really honest. Obviously, I think he obviously had his best moments for us as an auxiliary right back. So um, I think he can offer more in an attacking sense to a team at that level. I don't think he's quite good enough for what we want to do. Yeah, I'd go along with all that, really. I think he's someone who clearly looks after himself, keeps in shape, always puts the effort in, but ultimately hasn't quite had that quality or end product that you need if you're going to be playing the midfield role in this division, really. And yeah, he's still young. There's still time for him to improve. But yeah, it probably makes sense uh, for everyone, that move. Mm -hmm. Another player who's gone out on loan is your friend of mine, Cuevin Castro. Who's gone to another friend of ours, Kings Lynn. Mm. So this was an interesting one. A lot of speculation that Castro was one of the players who was refusing loans. Um, it was a bit of an unexpected one to go to Kings Lynn. 
obviously a bit of history with them in the 1920 season. What I didn't realize is that he's from that neck of the woods. So I mm. guess it's a move closer what, what, to family. But King, Kings Lynn's in Portugal. He grew up around there in Thetford. Oh, right. Okay. You really confused me then because I assure you that away day I went to, whilst I did stay over for the night, it very much was not in Portugal. No, yeah. I think Thetford is where he grew up. And I see. He played for quite a few local teams in Norfolk and Suffolk, mm-hmm. including uh, Leyston Town. Oh, yeah. As did two other members of our squad. Mm-hmm. Can you name them? Uh, Will Davis and Finley Barnes. Correct, yeah. So the uh, yeah, a bit of a Leyston expats gang there. But yeah, he's gone on to Kings Lynn. How's he getting on, Simon? Well, he came off the bench at the weekend and then, you know, made enough of an impression to make his first start last night. They were playing at home against Curzon Ashton, another blast from the past, and mm. they lost 4 0. So. Ah. Yep. He just needs more time. But no, seriously, what are your thoughts on this one? Because the Castro's got a lot of stick from York fans. We've been, you know, optimistic about him at first and then gradually less so. But I did see Matt Oogler tweeting, let's hope this move works out for Castro and that he's still a young lad who wants to learn. It's easy to forget that he is young. So, you know, should we just be hoping that this is this is a chance for him to kick on? Or do we think this is maybe the start of the end for his time at the club? Yeah, I, I don't see him coming back from this, if I'm totally honest with you. Um, based on uh, a number of things, that he, he's not, he only started one game for Ardley. That was Ardley's first match in charge. Um, and then, so a big pound league games. And then obviously he had the FA Trophy debacle against Nantwich. Uh, when he's had the opportunity to come on as, as a substitute, he's not quite grabbed the ball by the horns, has he? That's Spain where they do bullfighting. Oh, yeah, good point well made. Sorry. Well, it's all Iberia, isn't it? I suppose I have some sympathy with him on a human level in that it's not worked out. It, it It's a reasonably sized club for him to come to uh, after numerous loan moves last season. It could have been a, a permanent home. You and I, along with um, Will, when he guests on the show, we speculated about him working in an attacking partnership with Akinyemi. But the issue was that was months ago. I think that might have even been under... Morton, if I remember correctly, I can't, I can't recall. So, like now, you look at the players that have come in. You look at the formations that um, are these playing. You know, the three-five-two or the, the, the four-three-three. You don't see where a Castro-type player can fit in. I don't see him getting in ahead of the Burge or ahead of Chadwick or Davis. You know, I, I, so I don't see where his future can possibly be at York City. I sympathise with with what Ugla's saying about you know. Castro is a young lad trying to make his way in the game, but I don't recall Castro doing anything in a York shirt that was worth really platforming and saying was worth the admission fee. You know, I don't get what he actually did. You know, what he's done in the York shirt to say he's worth persevering with. I think if people are thinking he has the chance to come back to the club in future and do well, it's based on on hope or maybe previous reputation because the chances he's been given. He's been given a few against lower opposition, you know, Needham Market, mm-hmm. Nantwich, and he just hasn't taken them at all. Yeah. Um. So I don't know whether it's you know his head's not been in the right place or or what, or he just needs a change of scenery. But hey, none of us saw the bird coming back. So what do we know? Well, yeah, but yeah, to me, it seems like Adley has possibly made up his mind mm-hmm. about Castro. Possibly also made up his mind about Maz Kuyar as well, who has gone back on loan to Hereford, who we signed him from. This one's had more of a mixed reaction. Some people really sad to see him go, or well, I guess most people sad to see him go, but some people questioning the wisdom of sending Maz out on loan. 
what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm a big fan of Maz. Obviously, remember the big part he played in the promotion season under ASCII and started the following season pretty well. I think he's been unlucky since then with, well, with us having not very good managers uh, until Ardley <laughs> came in. But also he's had some injuries. He's had to fill in in positions that aren't necessarily his. Yeah. So I don't think he's really had a chance to get a run in the team. But at the same time, I think Ardley's decided there's options that he prefers. And while Maz has done okay when he's come on, he hasn't necessarily, you know, set the world alight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure where I stand on this one, I guess. But it wasn't a huge shock to me, as it seemed yeah, to be to I, some other people. I agree. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either. I, I completely agree there, Simon. When, when you told me the news, it was kind of like, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. But I also, you know, didn't drop... My uh, my glass of water and smash it all over the floor. You know, I can see I can see where Ardy's coming from. I mean, it's only a month, isn't it? So it might be just a case of getting him out to Hereford, getting playing every every weekend, get some minutes under his belt, and he could come back. Um, you know, a bit fitter because he has been ill recently. He'd been missing some match day squads because of this illness. But when he had been in the squad, when he had been playing, he was in that left hand side kind of defensive role, wasn't he? Which it was really weird because we saw it not work under Morton at the start of the season. And it was a bit um, annoying to see um, Ardy giving it a try. I just think, I personally think Maz was the one who's made the better step up from North to National compared to players like Hancocks and Dyson. But it still wasn't quite good enough, I don't think. I don't think it was consistent enough. I don't think he reached the heights of the start of last season when he was getting a lot of assists. And for whatever reason, it's just not quite worked out at this at this particular level. But I think if anyone's going to come, go on loan and come back and, you know, force their way back into the team, it's probably going to be Maz. But if this is goodbye, you know, we've always got the really fond memories of that promotion charge. So I would be content um, either way. Yeah, someone who won't be coming back and forcing their way into the team is Kevin Joshua because his contract has been terminated. We never got to see him take part in a competitive fixture for the club, uh, which I think is a shame. Although, mm. did, did you see him in any of the pre-season games you went to? No, he only played in that Selby um, fixture, didn't he? I was washing my hair that night, so I didn't see his performance. But from what it's, well, from what people said, it was a stuff of a legend. Yep, so he has moved back over to Ireland with Crusaders. Mm-hmm. And I believe he was straight into the 11, wasn't he, for, for the next game? He and was. Did you, did you keep tabs on how he did? Yeah, subbed off at halftime. Yeah, I think there were some some reviews of his performance appearing on social media as well, which suggested mm-hmm. he was maybe lucky to make it to halftime. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, it, it is one of the uh, one of the more bizarre signings. I mean, one of those names where you look back in, in years to come and say, what was that all about? Why did we sign that? And then I'll say, oh, because it's a chairman's son. Now, Kevin Joshua, no idea why I signed him. <laughs> but yeah, good luck to him, I guess. Yeah, sure. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, one last talking point. If anyone is uh, struggling to keep track of the date, you know, with all these... Under no circumstances, <laughs> by York City calendar. <laughs> yeah, so the, the club have put out an excellent offer for 2024 <laughs> calendars at the low, low price of £2.50. That sounds like a steal to me, Simon. What's the catch? Well, you can have all your favourite City players... Uh, staring mm-hmm. back at you as you as you count through the days of the year, there is just one catch, which is that um, October only has thirty days. Uh-huh. Right. Although th- 
I presume, therefore, that October 31st is missing. Yes. So what you're saying to me is, uh, Simon, you're saying that the club is doing a, a one-club fight back against the Americanization of Halloween. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, my daughter's birthday is October 31st, so... Oh, no. This could oh, be a good investment, because no. it means, you know, £2.50 to delete that day, and then don't have to buy any birthday presents. Yep. Your daughter could therefore remain forever young. <laughs> have you presumably you've bought at least one of these? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I decided against it. I don't really like the idea of having like um, a York City calendar because you're really taking uh, matters into your own hands when it gets to about June, July, August onwards when you get to Christmas and you know that player who you sold for a minuscule fee to a team in a division higher is staring back at you, you know, mocking you, laughing at you. Or in our case, midway through January when half the players have left. <laughs> That, that also is true. Yeah, so the blurb says, capture the essence of every moment with the York City <laughs> FC 2024 calendar. I mean, nearly every moment. Nearly. Unless 364 days. Oh, no, I suppose it's a leap year. Yeah, it's a leap so year, still, so it cancels yeah, it out, still... doesn't it? Where's your cutoff? Yeah, so if you have to sacrifice one day of the year, <laughs> make it your daughter's birthday. Immerse yourself in a year of triumphs, goals, and unforgettable memories. As you journey Jesus through the seasons Christ. with your favourite football club, so if we play a game on that on that date, is that null and void? I, I, I'm listen. I'm sick of null and void after the last couple of years. I, I don't want anything to do with it. But a quick check reveals that um, Halloween this year is on a Thursday, so very unlikely that we'll have a fixture on that particular day, unless Satanta Sports come back. Ugh. It, yeah. So it does say here. Please note discount due to misprint error on the month of October. Brilliant. And there's, there's 311 in stock. That's the good news. <laughs> I'll take 10. But yeah, let's look ahead to a date that definitely is happening, which is our mm. date with Hartlepool United, our second date with them this season. Uh, the first one didn't go too well, did it? No. No, I've, I've had better first dates, if I'm honest with you. Obviously, things have changed a bit since our last meeting. So John mm. Askey has been sacked, and they now have Kevin Phillips in charge. They are Calvin one... Phillips. Well, he wasn't getting much game time at Man City, was he? So mm. uh, now Kevin Phillips. Oh wow, he of Sunderland fame. So Hartlepool are one point above us, but they have played two games more um, since Askey was sacked. They have won two and lost two, which sounds all right. But those games were all against teams from the bottom five, and they mm. did lose one nil at home to Kidderminster last night. So what are we thinking on this? Can we get revenge for that horror show 3-1 defeat? Firstly, all the best teams lose 1-0 to Kidderminster at home. And secondly, I think it's an ample opportunity to get a little bit of revenge on Hartlepool. Obviously, we've sold out our allocation for the game, which is great news. Just shows how fantastic and a little bit mental and insane our away support can be. So, uh, you know, safe travels to all those heading up. To the northeast on Saturday, you know, please come back with three points. But if we're going to continue this great run, I think a team down there in the doldrums and feeling a little bit sorry for itself, like Hartlepool is, I think that's the team that we want to be facing right now, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, can't disagree with that. And yeah, I think it's very impressive that we've sold out our allocation so early. Can I get your official prediction for this game? I'm going to go with a uh, 2 1 York City victory. Hell, why not? Yeah, let's go for a, a late winner again. Sorry, you don't have to. You don't have to specify the time. Uh, it's nineteen <laughs> minutes past ten at the moment. 
on the 32nd of January. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just checking my club calendar. <laughs> and will you be firing the helicopter up for that one? It's been gathering dust, I think, in a uh, in a field somewhere. It has, yes. Um, I'll be getting my um, minder to get me safely off British shores so I can watch the uh, fixture legally uh, on my tablet or laptop device. I'll be watching this one. Uh, didn't really fancy travelling up north from where I am anyway for the fixture, but as I say said earlier, it's fantastic that we've managed to sell out our allocation for this. Sometimes I'm just so proud to be York City fan. Well, that about wraps up this episode. Thanks for your support. As always, we had a fantastic response to our last episode. In terms of numbers, in particular, Ben, it was, I think, the most downloads in a day since we started this thing back in summer. So, oh, my word. That's fantastic to hear. I really do. Uh, it warms the cockles of my dis- disgusting heart. <laughs> and if you are a listener who enjoys what we do, please consider leaving us a review. We have had another review on Apple Podcasts recently. Uh, it was an updated review from Castro's mm. biggest fan. Now, I think this was before Castro left the club. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably listening to King's Lynn podcast now, but <laughs> <laughs> but let's get it up here. So, Castro's biggest fan says, it's a drug. Puns, jingles, banter, oh, and some deep diving into YCFC matches past and present. If you call yourself a City fan, then you really need to listen to this. Excellent stuff. Keep up the good work, lads. Thanks very much. That is very kind words. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you've recovered from the, from the loss of King Quev. <laughs> yeah, anything else you wanted to add, Ben? No, um, it's good to be back on the air. Been very much looking forward to getting back in the groove with the uh, Same Old City podcast, um, chatting about the world's worst football team with my good friend Simon. So I'm glad to be back. We had an absolute barn burner to talk about to get us back into the swing of things. And here's, here's hoping for the more of the same when we play Hartlepool on Saturday. And we can come back on next week and talk about how uh, the playoffs are a mere five points away. But yes, thanks as ever for listening. And until next time, keep the faith. Oxford Town, Oxford Town, everybody's got their heads bowed down. Sun don't shine above the ground, ain't going down to Oxford Town.